This is episode 297, How to Move Out of Anxiety and Feel Safe with Lara. Welcome to Over It and On With It. I'm your host, Christine Hassler, and for over a decade, I've been a life coach, speaker, and author. Each week, you'll hear me work directly with a caller as I coach them through a goal they want to accomplish or an obstacle they may be facing. I'll provide a blend of practical and spiritual advice as well as tangible actions you can apply to your own life. Now, let's get on with the episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the show. As always, thank you for listening. Thank you for those of you who leave ratings and reviews of the show. I'm really looking forward to bringing you this week's episode because we're talking about regulating the nervous system, dealing with anxiety, dealing with past hurt, past pain. And I wanted to mention a book that's come out that maybe you've heard of. I'm really excited about this book because it's making so many of the things that we talk about on this show more mainstream. The book is called What Happened to You, and it's by Dr. Bruce Perry and Oprah Winfrey. And I haven't read the full book yet, but I've heard them on a couple podcasts, just listened to them recently on Brene Brown's podcast. I mean, oh my gosh, that's a room I'd love to be in. I'd geek out with Dr. Perry, Oprah, and Brene Brown. I mean, dream team. (laughs) What I wouldn't give to be in that conversation. Anyway, I put my fangirl aside, but I am just so incredibly grateful that more and more people are having conversations about how what happens to us in our childhood massively, majorly impacts us for the rest of our lives. And to truly understand another human being, to truly help another human being, to really help ourselves We have to look at what happened to us. And this is where I think a lot of the personal growth and motivational stuff leaves a lot of people, quite frankly, abandoned and feeling like personal growth failures because there is a lot of motivation and there is a lot of law of attraction and there is a lot of mindset and all of that stuff is relevant and so helpful. But if you have something in your past that you haven't dealt with, that maybe you don't even remember, that was really, really hard, although you might be quote unquote, on the other side of it, because you're not living in it anymore. It impacted you. It doesn't have to identify you. It doesn't have to dictate the rest of your life. And it's so important to honor these things, to understand these things. And Dr. Perry in the interview with Brene Brown was talking about how, you know, they're really starting to see that working with trauma, working with anyone that has issues they seem to not be able to get over in adulthood they, they missed key developmental phases in life. And that's something I talk about on the show all the time is that, you know, when we miss a key developmental phase of life it, in our childhood, you know, in childhood, young adulthood, because our brain's really forming up until our mid twenties. So we're just sponges and forming all our beliefs and our nervous system is being structured and the neural networks in our brain. And if we miss out on certain things that impacts us and The other thing that they talked about, which I thought was so important, is they talked about the privilege of growing up feeling safe and secure. Like That is such a privilege. It should be a given, really. I I pray that someday we get to the place where every child that's born feels safe and secure. And there are so many people in the world that grow up in homes where they don't feel safe, either because there's abuse 
there's constant arguments, there's some kind of addiction happening, or they don't feel safe because of racial trauma, microaggressions, poverty, not knowing if they're going to be able to have food on the table, not knowing if they're going to have a roof over their head. So someone could grow up in a home where the parents were loving and there wasn't any abuse or addiction, but there was a lot of poverty and there was a lot of, we don't know if we can feed ourselves the next day. And that's still traumatic. So remember, trauma isn't just a one-time thing. It can be, but it can also be ongoing hardship, ongoing, not feeling safe and secure. Feeling safe and secure is so key to humanity. I mean, we see that so much this year because of the pandemic, so many people aren't feeling safe and secure. And of course we see depression rising, suicide rising, anxiety rising, just so many problems arise when people don't feel safe and secure. So if you didn't grow up with the privilege of feeling safe and secure, first, I just want to say, I'm sorry. I know from working with so many people at this point that when we don't grow up in that safe and secure environment, when we don't feel like our basic needs can be met, the need to be fed, the need to feel safe, the need to feel like we have at least one person who's protecting us, who's loving us, that really sets us up for a lot of difficulties in adulthood. Not difficulties we can't overcome. I believe in the resilience of the human spirit. I believe all of us have all the inner resources we need. We sometimes also need outer resources to help us discover those. I mean, one of our most valuable inner resources is the ability to ask for help and the knowingness of when we need to ask for help. And so much of what I'm dedicated to and passionate about, especially with this show is one, helping you feel not alone. And I think that the conversation with Lara, who's my 297th person I've coached on the show, will be another mirror for so many of you who will hear her and understand what she's going through and either really empathize and have compassion or feel like, wow, this, this woman could be me and know that the struggles that you're dealing with need not be shamed and they need not be experienced in isolation because so many of us go through that. And then the other thing that we did in this episode, and of course I'll talk about it more in the breakdown, is we really talked about the nervous system and how the mind and psychoanalyzing and awareness really doesn't do much for anxiety if our nervous system is dysregulated. So I go through some simple exercises here with Lara and I encourage you, you know, maybe listen to this episode when you're in a place where you can do the breathing techniques with me that I do with Lara, or at least learn them here and then do them on your own somewhere. So as you're listening to this show, I'd like you to consider, do you constantly feel anxious or deal with obsessive thoughts? Have you outsourced your worth, your sense of safety, looking for it in your achievements or a relationship or even your appearance? Do you crave to be in a relationship, but then when you get in them, they're really not maybe healthy. You kind of go into codependent stuff. Do you have trouble really regulating your nervous system and bringing yourself into calm? You can analyze and analyze and analyze, but when it comes to being able just to stop and feel calm and centered in your body, that part's challenging. So keep those questions in mind as you listen to my conversation with Lara. 
Before we dive in, I want to invite all of you to the relationship workshop that Steph and I are teaching June 11th through 13th. It's important to note that we are teaching it live. However, you don't have to attend live. The workshop is completely something that you can do self-paced. So we've heard from a lot of couples, we want to do this, but we have kids. We can't both block off the weekend, so we're not going to do it. And I'm like, whoa, 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 wait, you can still absolutely do it and then do it together at a later date or each person do it on their own and then talk about it. You do not have to attend live. And you know, I want to say to all the couples out there, because we've had a lot of people register alone, either they're doing it and their partner can't or single people that want to learn about relationship and speaking to those of you who are in relationships, I've heard a lot of excuses from couples and it confirms one of the reasons Steph and I are doing this workshop, which is because a lot of couples put their relationship on the back burner. They don't make it a priority, especially couples that work or are entrepreneurs or have kids, everything else, even the dogs sometimes, and this is not a diss on dogs. I love dogs and animals in general. It comes before the relationship. But if you think about it, your relationship, especially if you have kids, your relationship is a foundation of your home life. It impacts all areas of your life, your health, your wealth, your business, your parenting, all of it. You know, Steph and I see when our relationship is really on point, when we're really connected emotionally, mentally, sexually, spiritually, everything else in our life. It's like we're magnets for things. Everything else is amplified, but that's because we put in the work and work doesn't have to be like work effort, time, attention. If you don't like the word work, replace it with something else. So I want to see more couples join us. And again, you do not have to join us live. You can, we are going to be doing some live coaching but we're really going to make this a course that you can do anytime. We also are considering if there's a lot of people that can't join us live, because we know it's summer and all that, we also are considering doing a two-hour follow-up Q&A for everyone that couldn't make it live sometime in July. So you have time to watch the course. And by the way, you have six months to do the course. Like That's plenty of time to get through a Friday afternoon, Saturday, Sunday workshop plenty of time, six months, you can block that off again, prioritize your relationship, but you would have a full month before you could join us for the Q and a call. So we're doing what we can to handle some of the requests and questions, because we've had a lot of interest in this relationship course, and we are going to make it just epic. So you can join without your partner. You can come with your partner, or like I said earlier, you can be single and really want to learn about relationships. Reminder, it's not a course for how to draw in someone. It's more about relationship tips and strategies. Once you're in a relationship, you can go to christinehasler.com slash relationship retreat to join us for that. We're also going to be doing another $20 call on Tuesday, June 1st at 5 p.m. Pacific, that's going to be on sex, love, and relationships. And you can always join those by going to christinehasler.com slash group. And speaking of love and relationships, I have a new course on the Himalaya learning platform, which is a really cool new platform, all about love and relationships. I talk about breakups. I talk about drawing in love. I talk about how to have better connected relationships 
It's called Your Heart, Your Life, and it's available now exclusively on Himalayan Learning, which is an audio learning platform that provides an extensive library of courses straight to your ears from the world's greatest minds like Malcolm Gladwell, Tim Ferriss, Seth Godin, Linda Hill, and more. And me. I wouldn't know if I put myself in the category of world's greatest minds, but hey, why not? <laughs> so here's a special offer for you. You get a 14-day, it's a two-week free trial using promo code HEART, H-E-A-R-T, when you check out at Himalaya.com slash HEART. Again, this is valid for a 14-day free trial of the Himalaya Learning Platform. You can listen to all episodes of my course and so many others. So even if you've heard a lot of stuff from me, you're like, I don't want to listen to more from you, Christine. I get it. That's fine. Go and check out other people. Again, Himalaya.com slash HEART. That's H-I-M-A. L-A-Y-A dot com slash heart. And now on to my coaching session with Lara. Lara, welcome to the show. How can I help? Hi, Christine. I just wanted to ask you how I can cultivate a deep sense of safety and trust within myself and stop filling the void I'm feeling or trying to fill the void uh, with external things or men. Because mm. I'm always like really anxious and afraid and doubting myself and I don't feel worthy or good enough. And in the past, I always tried to outsource my worth through either like my appearance and body or like men and achievements. Mm-hmm. And I also struggle with binge eating. I think it's like a coping mechanism for me to feel like or soothe myself or feel safe. And in the past, I also had a manic episode. Mm. I just mm-hmm. want to give you a little wrap up sure, <laughs> of yeah. like my past. And yeah, I mean, and I always craved like relationships. And mm-hmm. that was like what excited me most in life, like being with someone or like, um, I always had like this fantasy of finding the perfect guy who saved me from myself. Mm, if then, only that existed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the perfect thing outside of ourselves and, to save us. Yeah. 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 And then the end of, Last year, I ended a codependent relationship, and ever since that, I developed some kind of anxiety. And now I always like go back to the past and overthink everything I've done and overthink all my mistakes. And then my ego is convincing myself that I'm a bad person, and I feel so much shame and guilt. Mm-hmm. And then I like developed intrusive thoughts telling me I'm a bad person, oh, and goodness. I kind of feel like yeah I think I think I developed some kind of or like I was traumatized and my nervous system is dysregulated ever since I get so so triggered so easily and activated and I don't know I just feel so stuck and lost and this call comes at the perfect time for me (laughs) yeah so so just take a nice deep breath Okay. And this next time, try to make the breath a little more pleasurable and a little less forced. Just a nice, (laughs) deep inhale. I'll do it with you. So nice, slow, gentle inhale. And then ah, nice, slow, gentle exhale. Do that again. And really imagine that your breath is going all the way into your toes. And just gently exhaling. And bring one hand to your heart and do another breath. Nice, deep inhale. Bring your other hand to your lower belly, right below your navel. 
Next inhale, focus on breathing in the back of your body. Let it go. And what's happening for you now? I feel a bit more relaxed. Yeah. Not so stressed. Yeah. So with a dysregulated nervous system, which you self-identified, we cannot cure, fix, heal, whatever word we want to use, a dysregulated nervous system with the mind or with thoughts or even with psychological processing. The only way to regulate a dysregulated nervous system is to work directly with the nervous system, which is what we just did. And you noticed in that moment, you felt a little more calm than, or more calm than you did when you were telling me the description of everything that you've been through, right? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So just in the short time that we've been talking, there's a few things I notice about you and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I notice that you're very smart, EQ and IQ, and that you have a very strong, fast mind. And you have a lot of awareness about yourselves. Like you could really psychoanalyze yourself quite well and explain to me, this is why I'm this way. Yeah. Yeah. So I can imagine that with all this awareness and with all the thinking that you've done about this, it's quite frustrating that you still feel this anxiety, have had a manic episode, binge eat, and just feel like you can't get out of this. Is that accurate to say? Yeah, that's so accurate. I like, I think I tried using my thoughts and my mind to not feel, or that's what my therapist told me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's some kind of escape for me to not feel. Right. Right. Well, and when we have such a dysregulated nervous system and we've endured a lot of trauma, did you have a lot of trauma or disruption in your home in your childhood? I don't think it was like extreme trauma but I think it was something like my parents weren't like emotionally available mm-hmm. like my mom was always stressed and my dad like my parents divorced when I was three and then my dad left and then my mom got remarried twice and then we moved and mm-hmm. then like the her current hu- husband is um, has depression and he moved out um, like 10 years ago so it was kind of always a bit of chaotic yeah. 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 So you might even have, I, I'm sure, have you studied attachment styles? Yes. And did you self-identify as one of them? Yeah, I think I'm anxious. Possibly. The The other option is disorganized. So a disorganized attachment style can happen. Usually it's when there's severe trauma and chaos, but it can register different in different people. And I'm not here to diagnose you or label you. I don't really think that there's much value in diagnoses or labeling unless they help us get to resources and tools that find, we find helpful. But they can mm-hmm. be limiting as well. But I just want to put that out there because sometimes when there's a lot of chaos in our upbringing, we have this sort of disorganized attachment style where you know, a lot of times we're anxious and we feel that, but we can also be avoidant at times, even in terms of our own self-love and really withdrawing love from ourselves. 
you know, you describe a lot of things that definitely lean towards anxious in terms of the codependent relationship and really wanting someone to love you and outsourcing your worth. But I would just put it out there that there could be a little bit of a disorganized attachment style too that is underneath this massively dysregulated nervous system. But the truth is we really don't need to know. I just want to kind of get you out of any box that you've put yourself in because the, for lack of a better word, downside of having such a strong mind and a aware mind is you can get into the place of wanting so bad to fix and heal yourself that that becomes another obsession. That becomes yeah, something else. Yeah, that's definitely the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you say more about that? <laughs> like I'm always like obsessing over something, whether it's like it was my body and losing weight and it was some guy or then it was my grades in university, like getting the highest grades. And then I felt so anxious during like exam period. And right. now it's like these obsessive thoughts telling me I'm bad. And yeah. I always come from a place like I've listened to many episodes and then you always say like you should come from place of self-love but I think I come from the place of there's something wrong with me yes and always want to like just get rid of all my pain and heal and be healed and happy but I know there's no magic pill for that well uh, you know a big part of self-love in fact the first primary part of self-love is self-acceptance And I think that is your biggest block right now is that you want so badly for it to be different. And when we're dealing with the anxiety that you're dealing with and you're dealing with a dysregulated nervous system and you're dealing with an inner child who never felt safe, who never felt like she could trust, if there's judgment on top of all of that, all it does is reinforce the patterns. Because yeah. when we judge ourselves, we don't trust ourselves. Because if we if we go yeah. back to just saying, okay, maybe you do have an anxious attachment style. The biggest thing that puts someone in an anxious attachment style is a parent not being consistent. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's love, sometimes there's not. And that's what causes the anxiety, the codependence in the future, the really outsourcing our self-worth and another person because we're constantly looking for that consistent love. If we had a parent or ideally both parents who were consistent, yes, they could mess up. We don't, there's no perfect parents, but if they did mess up, they repaired and you just, you, you knew what you could get from your parent. You knew that if you went to your parent and you were really upset, you'd, you'd get their attention, you'd get their love. And you didn't have that degree of consistency growing up. And so can you see, Lara, how inconsistent you are with yourself in terms of how you treat yourself? Like there'll be days when maybe you go for a walk in nature and you're doing your meditation and you're being really nice to yourself and then boom, something will happen and that inner critic flares up and then maybe you binge eat and then, well, the inner critic's even louder because you got to beat yourself up for binge eating and you're just in this cycle of like flipping how you are with yourself. Can you... Yeah. relate to that yeah I have such a harsh inner critic yes and I have so high expectations for myself as right well. right so can you see the inconsistency in terms of how you are with yourself yeah yeah so I'm going to give you a very very simple practice 
that I want you to try. Cause we could talk a lot about, you know, your childhood and your parents and this relationship and all that, but I don't know that it will help you because you've talked about all that and you can mm-hmm. connect all those dots. So what seems like it might be most helpful is how you deal with yourself when you get dysregulated. Would that be helpful? Yes. Okay. Good. Yes. So what are some key indicators that you're dysregulated, meaning that your nervous system is in that sympathetic amygdala's firing, fight, flight, or freeze, worrying, OCD, that we call it Hulk brain, you know, that just survival brain. What are some mm-hmm. indicators that you're in that? Like my chest and my solar plexus, they get tight mm-hmm. and it feels like there's a knot in my solar plexus and my heart is beating really fast. Mm-hmm. What else? And then I have this sense of urgency, like I need to do something and there, mm-hmm. or there's not enough time to do all I want to do. And then I get like heated and mm-hmm. just stressed. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Mm, no, I don't think so. Okay. Well, those are really good indicators. So you're aware of when you feel those things, right? Yes. Yes. So the first thing I want you to try is when you feel that, I want you to greet it and just go, I accept this. I accept that I'm triggered right now. Or even I accept that I'm having a reaction right now. We don't have to use that word triggered. We can use, I am having a reaction. I'm dysregulated. My nervous system is sounding an alarm. What? Or you can just say, I accept what's going on with me right now. Mm-hmm. So that's the first step. And then the second step is to greet it with compassion, to greet it with, okay, I accept this. I'm not going to try to change it. I just accept this is happening and I'm going to greet it with compassion. I'm going to love the part of me that's going through this because if you really think about it and reflect on it, when you have these experiences, there's a part of you that's aware that you're having the experience, the witness part. So your whole entirety of self is not going through the experience. If you can be aware that you're having the experience, then all of you is not going through the experience, right? There's a big part of you going through the experience, but then there's another part of you, your witness, your awareness that can say, Hey, I'm having the experience. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So it's that witness part that can go to the part that's having the experience. I see you. It's okay. And have compassion for that part that's going through the experience. And then the third step is you and I are going to talk about some ways that you can regulate how you can bring your nervous system out of that sympathetic response into that more parasympathetic response. And there's simple ways you can do it. You felt the difference with the breath technique we did, right? Mm -hmm. And so much of what you feel happens in your chest and your belly. So if you can put one hand on your chest and one hand on your belly and do those breaths, that's a really good tool because you know, what you asked me for in the beginning, in terms of building safety and trust, that can't be a mental concept. You've got to feel it in the body because if we think back to the, the original wounding, it was your parents not being there. You feeling like nobody had your back. And that's very activating for a child to not feel like, I mean, children need at least one adult that makes them feel safe. If not, 
their nervous system is very hypersensitized, very overactivated. So what we're doing with regulating the nervous system is working to give you an experience where you're building that safety and trust inside your body and empower you because the more you see that you can actually regulate yourself and bring yourself into that parasympathetic nervous system, that rest and digest, the more empowered you'll feel. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So the breathing is one. Another thing that you can do is take a nice deep inhale and then you're going to make a sound and I'm going to do it in a second. That sounds like a voo sound. So you can either do it with me or you can just listen to me do it, but you take a nice deep inhale and then you exhale and make the voo sound like this. For as long as you can. And you know you're doing it right if your lips are tickling a little bit. Because the way you position your mouth and the way you make that sound VU, like voo, it tickles your lips a little bit. So let's let's try it one more time. Take a nice deep inhale, put one hand on your heart and one hand on your belly. Good. Can you feel that in your lips? Yeah, and I can yeah. feel the vibration in my body. Yeah. And how does it feel? Very soothing. Yes. Very soothing. And, you know, having a hand, well, really not so much on your heart, but in the center of your chest and in the center of your belly, that's on the nurturance canal of your body. And so when we put, you know, just think about when we soothe people or soothe little babies, often we'll put hand on belly, hand on chest. It's like we know intuitively and instinctively that those are the areas of the body where we often carry a lot of attention. And just by putting the hands on the body like that, we can start to soothe and tell the body it's okay. So what's happening in the brain is through these three steps of acceptance compassion and realizing there is a part of us going through the experience and then there's a part witnessing the experience. And then either using the breath or the sound or both to regulate. And I'm not going to give you more because it seems like those two work well for you. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So we don't want to overwhelm the mind. And then by moving that, the nervous system back into a place where it's not in that survival brain you start to break that pattern of that feeling unsafe because all the anxiety and anxious attachment, the reason it exists is because you didn't feel safe. So if we want to deal with the anxiety and the anxious attachment and even the overeating, because the binging, as you probably know, is is you're trying to soothe yourself. That's what you're trying to do. So having practices that soothe you. Another one of my favorites is having a really soft, cuddly stuffed animal and just holding it in your chest area and just rocking back and forth. So up until now, it seems like you've tried to approach and greet these things with, I got to figure it out. You've tried to shift them with the mind. And what I'm encouraging you to do is shift them with the body. Does that make sense? Yeah. Do I still have to analyze? Because some part of me always uh, tells me that I need to overanalyze issues. And if I don't do that, I'm going to suppress it. And that's well, what um, 
like feeds my pattern of overthinking? Yes. So great question. So what you can tell that part of you that wants to overanalyze is that was your best way of trying to make yourself safe because some part of your mind thinks, well, if I can just figure it out, then I can prevent it from happening. But when it comes to the nervous system and body-based things, the mind can't figure it out. Like analyzing, isn't it? It's like, if I went to the hospital with a ruptured appendix, I wouldn't want them to use dentistry tools to get my appendix out. But if I was going for a root canal, I would, because this is the appropriate tool. So the analysis has been the best that you have been able to come up with because it gives you a sense of control. Bottom line, you don't feel safe. You feel out of control. What can I do that makes me feel a sense of control? I'll analyze. And what I'm offering you with that three-step plan is a way to get control in more of a body-based, building trust, getting out of survival brain kind of way. Because when we're in survival brain, and I talked about this a couple episodes ago, It's like we don't have access to all the inner resources of love and compassion that we really need to calm the nervous system. So to further answer your question, I'll just question you by asking, has analyzing it helped? No. (laughs) Right. No, it just helps me to understand myself better and then I get hope. So when I know it, then maybe something I can fix it. Right. So just remember, my love, there's nothing broken. There's nothing broken here at all. It's that, you know, these, these techniques of acceptance, compassion, and calming the nervous system were things that your mom and dad needed to do for you, but didn't. Yeah. So I want you to stop thinking of it as fixing and think about it more as giving yourself the parenting and the developmental stages that you never got. There's nothing wrong here. It's just like you didn't get something you really needed. So now you're learning how to give it to yourself. It's just so shocking to me that it it started after I ended the relationship. Before that, I didn't struggle with the dysregulation so much. It's just like after I broke up with the boyfriend, it was... That was a security blanket, right? Because you mentioned it was codependent. So with, especially with that anxious attachment style, it's like, well, if I have my person, then I'm okay. But as soon as that person is gone, then I'm not okay. So it's just that all that, you know, childhood hurt and trauma and inconsistency and not feeling safe got activated by that relationship ending. Yeah. So it makes perfect sense to me. And I feel like I suppressed my feelings like before that and now everything comes up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sensitive all of yeah. a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. I really understand that. And when we have a nervous system that is, you know, a little bit tender and a little bit overactivated and a little bit frazzled, then it's harder to suppress the feelings. But this is good that they're coming up. And you mentioned you have a therapist, so you have someone that can hold that space for you. And you greet the feelings in the same way that you greet a dysregulated nervous system. You accept them, you hold them with compassion. And then instead of 
you know, breathing or calming, you just allow the feelings to exist. And then a good thing to do after you feel the feelings is the breath, either those long, deep inhales and exhales or the vooing or the rocking with a stuffed animal, because after a big release like that, it's great to nurture the nervous system. So from my perspective, Lara, you're doing great. You grew up feeling unsafe, feeling lots of inconsistency, was looking for an appearance, man, achievement. Somebody love me. Somebody see me. Somebody make me feel safe. Had this relationship, realized it was codependent, got out of it, and then boom, everything's activated. Your coping strategies aren't working anymore. You don't want to be the the codependent person. You're waking up. You're healing. You're evolving. There's nothing wrong here. Yeah, I'm a bit proud as well. <laughs> but uh, my mom always like criticized me that I'm too sensitive and I just should just get over it by now. And why am I making such a drama? Yeah. And that's really hurtful. Yeah. Well, let's just say that, well, let me ask you this. Would you say that your mom is like up for mom of the year award? No, okay. but I don't want to shame her as well. Well, we're not shaming her. We're just saying that she didn't exactly nail it when it came to motherhood. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure if I was on the call with her, I'd have tremendous compassion for her journey, but I'm on the call with you right now. And she wasn't really able to be there for you as a mom when you were a child. So what makes you think she's going to be able to now? Yeah. Yeah, it's just hurtful. Well, yes, and this is the one way she is consistent. That's true. (laughs) So one thing, maybe you've heard me say this on the show before. When there's someone in my life who is, I perceive as hurtful or I perceive as just not acting in the best way, instead of going, oh, it's hurtful, when they do what they do, I just say, oh, they're being consistent. Why am I going to expect anything different? It's like, don't go to a Chinese restaurant when you want nachos. Yeah, I love that when you say that. (laughs) So you got to just look when mom says things like that. I just want you to imagine a Chinese restaurant. Yeah. Like she just. It's just so weird because when I feel down, I always crave going to her and her soothing me. But then every time I get disappointed because she can't like soothe me the way I need to be soothed. Right. And that makes sense. It's an unmet need. And we constantly try to go back to the person who was the origin of the wound, or we date or marry someone like them. And part of consciousness and awareness and just being psychologically, you know, knowledgeable is going, oh my gosh, I keep going back to the source or the person who reminds me of the source. I'm never going to get what I need. I have an unmet need. How do I fulfill that need inside myself? So when you have that tendency to go to mom, I want you to come back to you or just go back and listen to this episode and -hmm. just hear, you know, my calm voice, the motherly presence that comes through me, really seeing you, holding you, hearing you. Go to the people and the sources that can serve the nachos. Does this help? Yeah, thank you, Christine. My pleasure. How are you feeling now? Way more calm. Mm -hmm. And 
proud. <laughs> I'm proud of you too. So proud of you. You're doing great. There's nothing broken. No more Thank fixing. <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you so much to Lara for being so vulnerable, so open, and also so coachable. You know, I notice a lot of times when people have anxiety and obsessive thinking going, they just want me to fix the problem. Just tell me what to do. Just give me the answer. And I really loved how open Lara was to moving into the body-based things that we worked on because I could tell the first minute she was talking that she had the analysis done. She was talking fast. She could explain herself. And the first thing I asked her to do, because I wanted to get her out of her head, was to take a deep breath. And you heard her first deep breath. It was like, (sighs) and it really matched her pace of speaking and her anxiety. So we just slowed it down. And she was probably a little nervous when we first started talking. She was probably more in that sympathetic nervous system, which is that go, go, go. And that breath really helped her move into the parasympathetic nervous system, which is activated when the body's feeling relaxed. It's known as the rest and digest. It basically undoes the work of the sympathetic division of the nervous system after a stressful situation. So that's what was my intention is moving her into that because I knew that talking to her when she was still in that more fired brain wave state and that sympathetic nervous system wouldn't really do any good because she'd hear me, but it wouldn't really land. You know, with a dysregulated nervous system, you can't shift it with talking or analyzing or awareness. And it becomes frustrating because you can see your anxiety, you understand why it's there. Maybe, you know, you have an anxious attachment style or disorganized attachment style or whatever you can explain your reasons for your anxiety. But I'm sure that many of you have seen in your own life and experience that just by being able to explain it, it doesn't really change it. So the the healing and the fixing becomes another obsession, but really it comes down to creating safety and security. Back to what I said in the beginning, we're always trying to get back to feeling safe and secure and not outsourcing that, not looking for that in a relationship or a certain amount of money or an achievement or any of those things. We want to feel it in our body because safety and security isn't a mental thing. It has to be felt in the body. When we feel safe and secure, the nervous system relaxes. The body gets out of Hulk mode, out of survival brain, and it comes into more of that rest and digest and the nervous system can regulate. So we also talked about her anxious attachment style and how that shows up with herself. So she had inconsistent parenting, parenting that she couldn't really count on. And now she has that within herself in terms of she has an inconsistent behavior with herself. And know that in no way, shape, or form am I blaming her mother or throwing her parents under the bus. We're just dealing with the reality of the situation. And the reality is, with no judgment, but just based on what Lara is sharing and experiencing, her mom was not a consistent force of love and nurturing. You know, neither parent was. And does that make them bad people? No, not at all. They're hurt people. But I'm not probably ever going to say as a coach again, they were doing the best they could as a way to try to make someone feel better. Because even if her mom was doing the best she could, it wasn't good enough for what Lara needed. Again, not about blaming mom, but just about being discerning and realistic about the situation. She didn't have that loving, nurturing parent. She didn't have the privilege of safety and security. 
and therefore she's dysregulated. And part of her own evolution and her work is to be that consistent parental figure to herself. And the way that we worked on doing that was that process that I'm going to walk you through now, which is your takeaway for this episode. So really this was all about regulating the nervous system and getting herself back into a place where she feels calm. So the first step was identifying her indicators. So she had, her indicators were really about the, the tightness in the chest and the heavy breathing and the knots in her stomach and all of that. So she's super clear about what her indicators are. So I want you to do this with me as I go through it. What are your indicators? What are your indicators that you're starting to go into that sympathetic Hulk brain survival fight or flight system, right? When you're activated, you know, some of mine are holding my breath, feeling like I'm going to pass out, getting really hot. We all have different physiological indicators that we're like, "Uh uh-oh, I'm going into Hulk brain. I'm going into survival mode. I'm dysregulated. First, accept it. Identify it. Name it. Okay, I'm dysregulated. I'm in survival brain. And just just don't fight with it because the more you fight with it, the more resistance you create, the more judgment you create. When we feel judged, we don't feel safe. We don't feel secure. It's in acceptance that we start to feel safe and secure. So just accept it. Be like, okay. I'm dysregulated. I'm triggered. My body's activated. Okay. That's okay. Then the next step is having compassion for it. Oh my goodness. All right. I'm really scared right now. I'm really triggered right now. It's okay. And knowing that you can identify that. So it's not all of you going through the experience because there is a witness there inside of you that can name it, right? So you're naming it, you're having compassion And then you move into whatever resources really regulate you. And this is, we have to self-identify what these are or work with a coach or a qualified therapist, trauma-informed practitioner that can help us really identify what are our regulating resources. So the breaths that I taught Lara really worked for her. Box breathing might work for you. Inhale four counts, hold four counts, exhale four counts, hold the exhale four counts and repeat that a double inhale. So, and then sucking in a little more air and an exhale is another breath technique, inhaling and exhaling with your mouth shaped like you're drinking out of a straw. So is another one cuddling with a stuffed animal, maybe curling up into fetal position, rocking movement. You need to identify what resources you because when we're dysregulated, we're, we're not resourced. So again, think of that child who doesn't feel safe, doesn't feel secure. The child doesn't feel resourced. The child doesn't feel like it has what it needs to feel safe and secure. So you've got to identify what are the things that do that for you and then do those things. Stop trying to shift a dysregulated state with your mind. It won't work because remember your mind's in survival mode your mind's in Hulk brain, your mind's in fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. Your mind is not your ally in those situations. Your body and your breath is putting the hand on the heart, hand on the belly, really hand in the center of the chest, hand on the belly, feeling into that nurturance canal, resourcing yourself. And the final huge piece to remember is there's nothing broken or wrong with you. It's really about giving yourself the parenting, the regulation and the developmental stages that you didn't get you're not broken. You're not messed up. You're not too much. You are just a human being 
who has had challenges in your life, who has had times when you didn't feel safe and secure and that impacted you, didn't break you, didn't ruin you. It doesn't make you who you are for the rest of your life, but it impacted you. So have some compassion for that and learn how to work with this machine that we call the human body because the human body, the nervous system is very resilient as is the human spirit, but we cannot shift and change when we think we're broken and we come at it with judgment and obsession. We have to come at it by giving ourselves the compassion, the acceptance and the safety and security we need. And shifting that with the breath, with the body, with learning what resources us is, from my opinion, one of the best ways to do that. And remember, one of the greatest resources we have is the ability to reach out for help. I hope that this episode was helpful for you. It's always helpful for the show when you share the episode on social media. Make sure to tag me so I can thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I will speak to you again next week, sending you so much love and many blessings. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Over It Non With It. I love hearing from you. So please post your comments or questions at christinehasler.com slash podcast. That's also the place you can sign up to receive coaching from me in an upcoming episode. And if you love this show, please share it and subscribe on iTunes. You can find all my social media handles and sign up to be part of my community at christinehasler.com. Until next week, here's to getting over it and on with it. Much love and many blessings.